somebody has but a heart is on the inside of you and it's a vital organ to give you life it's a vital organ that blood flows through that that causes your body to work in the last couple weeks I've had this super heavily on my heart and in my spirit protect the heart not just ours not just our kids but the ones that don't have a voice the ones that can't speak and I know sometimes this is an edgy subject but for me it's not and I'm not here to get political and I'm not here to get edgy we have to protect the heart have to start standing up and protecting the heart. If we're going to give God our hearts, we need to be doing that. And there's a lot of turmoil in our nation right now over a decision that's going to be made shortly. And we need to be praying for that decision. We need to be praying for the Supreme Court justices and their families, all the threats that they've had. But we've got to start protecting the heart at its earliest stage because the heart that's protected then can go on to change the world 15, 20 years from now. The heart that's protected today, the heart that's saved today is these students over here in 18 years graduating from high school. It is a big issue. It is a big deal. But throughout the last couple weeks as I've been praying in this and it's in my spirit, it's not something just to bring controversy. It's in my spirit and it's heavy and I feel like there might be people in here that you thought about having an abortion. There might even be people in here that have and you don't know what to do. Because now in our society, it's turmoil. It's making you second guess. It's making you question your humanity. It's making you question if you're in a relationship with Jesus. It's making you question that because now it's national news again. lights are down and I want everybody to close their eyes and don't move unless you absolutely have to. Because the enemy is going to try to hold you in bondage in the pit of hell to a decision that you made a long time ago. And this is bold and that's why everybody's eyes are closed and I'm looking because there's no judgment here because I've made some really, really poor choices. I feel like there's people that are holding on to this so tightly that until you let it go, you can't fully experience the love that God has for you. You can't walk in what he has, not because he's not good, but because you're holding yourself back. And so everybody's eyes are closed except mine. 
and I don't want anybody looking around because there is this is not a place of judgment and this is not a time of judgment. But I feel like if there's people in here that you thought about having an abortion and didn't, praise God, but I want to pray over you. And if there's people in here, and I don't know, I just really in my spirit, and there may not be, it may be somebody that's watching online. But if you did, everybody's eyes are closed. If you did, I'm only asking just because I want to lock arms and pray with you. If that's you, can you please shoot your hand up real quick? Nobody's looking around. It's not embarrassment. It's not a time for judgment. It's not a time for me to be critical. I see hands, and that's okay. You can put them down. But right now, if we're going to give him our heart, we have to give him everything. We have to give him everything from the first heartbeat to the last. And it's no longer something that the enemy can hold over your head for guilt, for condemnation, for shame. Today, there's freedom from that. There's freedom in giving him your heart. There's freedom in stepping in entirely into what God has for you. It was a choice that you thought was best at the time. There's no judgment here. Father, we just come to you in the name of Jesus and we just thank you. Lord, we thank you for your heart. We thank you for the heart of a father that loves us no matter what, that loves us no matter the choices we thought we were going to make, no matter the choices that we did. Lord, the only thing that's preventing us from going deeper with you is ourselves. Shame, guilt, condemnation, anger, bitterness is yourself. We break those things off. Father, you've seen the hands and you've seen the hearts, Father, that if they thought about it, that you would bring healing and restoration. And Father, that they can be a voice for you, for the hearts, Father, of what that decision can look like. And Father, the ones that that raised their hands that they did, Father, that you would heal them now, that you would restore their hearts, that you would restore their souls. Father, that there's no more guilt. There's nothing that can hold them back from you any longer. Enemy, you have no place. You have to let go of that stronghold. That chain has been broken. That shackle has been loosed and you have no ground. I just thank you for that moment. I thank you for setting them free. I thank you for giving us the courage to rise up. Father, that when we give you our hearts, that there's an inner courage that helps us rise up for the ones that can't speak. Father, I just pray for open hearts this morning and open minds. Kirsty, can you go into that one more time? Just quick, please. And if that was you, I want you to really focus this morning on giving him your whole heart, everything the shame, the guilt, everything that you just laid down, that you just acknowledged. Give that to him here in this minute.
Father, we just thank you for your, your heart this morning. We thank you for your freedom. Holy Spirit, we just welcome you in this place. We just give today to you. We thank you for accepting the gift of our broken heart, our, our heart that we've made poor choices and bad decisions. And we thank you for healing that, restoring that, and setting us free. And we just thank you for the word that you've got today. Holy Spirit, that you would just flow through me, that I would I would just be the voice that they hear, but it would be your heart, that it would be your voice that comes forth. And we just thank you for everything that you've done and everything that you will continue to do this morning. And we just give you all honor and glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you guys want, you can go ahead and turn around and tell somebody hello, and we will get started. All right. Well, I don't know if I have anything to add. After that, that's going to be of that much value, but we're going to try. Um, that's how cool God is. Like, I've been praying about it for a couple weeks and really hesitated uh, to bring it up, but I feel that it's, it's important, and obviously it was the Spirit of God because um, there were people that responded. But for those of you that don't know me, my name is Josh Schmidt. My wife, Nicole, and I um, and our incredible team of people get to head up our junior high and high school ministries, and it's been a fantastic journey. Um, I want to welcome our Facebook family, our family in California, at our remote church, and I just look forward to today, and I hope that after that, you guys are looking forward to today. Um, it's been it's been incredible two weeks. So Pastor Darren kicked off a series two weeks ago called "Where Are My Davids," and I get the honor of being up here for part three. Um, it's going to be good, I think. If not, uh, you can call Pastor Darren in a couple weeks and tell him that it wasn't, and you can have that conversation with him. Um, but a quick recap, I'm not going to go into a lot because we have a lot to do, and I want to make sure that we honor you guys' time and get things taken care of. But, but week one, Pastor Darren talked about David and the pursuer of God that David was. He was a man after God's own heart, but he was in constant pursuit of the heart of God. And then last week, uh, Pastor Darren talked about the loyalty that we see in the life of David. And he referenced, um, you know, the story of Jonathan and David and how they were like brothers, they were best friends, but the loyalty that they showed for each other is something that I hope that I can be that friend in my life. And I know that I've got those friends that are that loyal. Um, and it's extremely important. So if you didn't get a chance to hear those, I would highly recommend and go back and listen to them. Uh, they were foundational. It's things that I've not heard. You know, the life of David, you think about uh, the warrior, you think about all the things that he did, um, but those were messages that I've never heard preached in the vein of David, and it was excellent. And so this week I get to continue, but I want to pose a question before we start, because as Pastor mentioned, and I don't remember all the statistics because I don't have the fancy Bible software that he does to pull it back up, but David's name is mentioned um, the only person that's name is mentioned more than David's is, is Jesus. And so it's interesting, but I was thinking to myself, as you know, as we learned about the series a month or two ago, um, what that was like. But I really, I just kind of questioned, and I'm like, why David? Like, why was David so important? Why did they use David so much? Why is David talked about so much? And I started thinking and kind of asking myself questions and some of the questions I asked myself is, it, was it because he was a warrior? Was it because of his outward appearance? Like the Bible tells us that he was uh, tall, dark, and handsome. I'm short, light, and handsome, so we're not quite the same. Um, but, you know, was it his outward appearance? 
Was it because he was perfect? But then if you read the story of David, you know it wasn't. Um, David killed people. David had an affair. Like, so we know that David is not perfect. So I was thinking and I was wondering why. And then it kind of took me back to what Pastor Darren opened with. And if we go to Acts 13.22, I think we see this. Um, and it says, and he, when he had removed him, so they're talking about God removing Saul from kingship. He raised up for them David as king, to whom he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart who will do my will. And so I do have an iPad that's got several different Bible translations on it. So I looked at a couple different ones. And I really found this interesting because it says that he's after God's heart. So it's not his outward appearance. It's not his perfection. It's not his walk. It's nothing other than his heart as to why he's picked and why I believe he's talked about so much. But if we look at the message, so it's Acts 13, 20 through 22. In the message, it says, up to that time of Samuel, the prophet, God provided judges to lead them. But then they asked for a king. And God gave them Saul, son of Kish, out of the tribe of Benjamin. After Saul had ruled 40 years, God removed him from office and put King David in his place. With this commendation or praise, I put praise because I knew I was going to screw that word up. Um, but it says, with this praise from God, it says, I've searched the land and found this David. So he was, God was looking and he found this David, the son of Jesse. He's a man who, whose heart beats to my heart and a man who will do what I tell him to do. And I find that interesting because it's not the outward appearance, but God wants somebody that's going to be close enough that their heartbeat is the same rhythm, that their heart beats for the same things, that their heart burns for the same things, that their heart hates the same things. And so I find that interesting, and I really liked the message because a lot of times we read that, and it's like, oh, a man after God's heart. What does that mean? And it means that he's, his heart is in rhythm with the heart of the Father. And so as we prepare this series, the series is not just for men, which is different. In the past, every time I've heard a, a message on David, it's been kicking the guys in the teeth and telling them that they're not good enough and they need to do more. And so now we're approaching it from a different standpoint, but the spirit of David can be alive in everybody, men and women. And so he's looking for somebody whose heart is going to beat to the same rhythm as his. We're going to pray a lot today, so I just want to pray. Father, we just come to you, and I just thank you for our hearts, and I would just ask that you would align our hearts right now to the rhythm of your heartbeat. And, Father, that we would hear so much of this and align ourselves with you and align ourselves to be willing to do what you've asked us to do. And I just thank you for that, and I thank you for... Uh, the preparation of the soil of our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So what's interesting, though, is if you read about David, you hear a lot of different things and see a lot of different things in the story of David before he's anointed king. So the heart of David was established before he was anointed king. It's not like he got anointed and then his heart magically changed to become the heart of David, to be in the rhythm of the heart of Jesus. Does that make sense? And so... Our character needs to be established before our calling. God is going to establish, just like in David, he established the character of David before he established the calling of David. David was out in the fields, not even good enough to come to the party. Not, he was 12 years old, 
Like, I love some of our 12-year-olds, but I'm like, to think that they're going to be king? We got a long way to go. I know where I was at 12. Like, I was riding my bike into mailboxes unintentionally and just doing things that 12-year-olds do. But as I was studying this, I was looking through a commentary from Matthew Henry on this scripture. And he writes, he said his character, so he's talking about David. He said his character was divine. A man after my own heart, such as one I would have. So that's God saying that his heart is so much that I would have the same heart. One on whom the image of God is stamped, and therefore one in whom God is well pleased and whom he approves. So the image of God, the likeness of God, the likeness of our father was stamped on the heart of David before he was called to be a king. So his character was long established before his calling was ever even talked about. And I think this is great, but to me, again, I ask questions because that's how I learn, and it makes me feel smart when I find the answers. But I I was like, why? Like, what does it mean to be after God's heart? If that's to have his image stamped on my heart, what does that look like? What does that mean? But I think that we see this truly like the heart a lot of times. Yes, it's a beating organ on the inside of us that gives us life, but I believe that our heart is tied to our character. I believe that our heart is tied to the giftings on the inside of us. And I think that we see this through the life of David. We see it in his character. And I put together a list, and it's not an all-inclusive list, because as soon as I say these five things, someone's going to be like, well, what about this? Yes, that's important too. It just doesn't fit into what I got, so it's not important in this moment. (laughs) Because I'm up here. And I get to pick what's important in this moment. So the first thing that I see reading through and understanding and listening to like David's life, I see humility. And they're going to throw them up there. If you're taking notes, I would write this down just because there's things that we can go back and we can read through the story of David and find these characteristics. But we see humility in David so much so that that David was out tending his father's flocks. He was not, there was no job too dirty, too small. Like I feel like if his dad was like, hey, you need to go clean the toilet, the humility of David would have gotten the job done. He was willing to do what his father asked him in the heart that his father asked him to do it. His dad asked him to keep the flocks protected, to keep the flocks safe, to advance the flocks, to grow the flocks. And he did that in excellence like his own dad would have done. I believe Jesse would have done it the same way. The image of his father was stamped on his heart, and David was willing to do whatever his father had asked him to. He took his brother's food. Like, I know the relationship I've had with my siblings, and I know the relationship some of y'all had with your siblings, and you're going to let your siblings starve. (laughs) There was times I wanted to let my siblings starve, and I didn't. But he was willing to just lay down what he was already doing and be... Uber Eats way back then and deliver food. And to me, I'm like, why? Like that's, that's minuscule. That's not, it's just the mundane. That's nothing important. It's nothing big, but that's the humility that we see in the character of David. The second characteristic that I feel like I see is that David was established. David was established in obscurity. When nobody else knew about David, David was being prepared to be the king. David was being established to step into the calling that God had on his life. 
David was being established to be a musician in the king's palace. David was being established when nobody was watching, which allowed David to be established by God and not by man. And some of us are so hungry that we will do anything because it's a performance mindset, but all we're looking for is for somebody to establish us, which is great. But then if that person stumbles or you stumble, then it's on them where if we would return that and put that to God and allow the quietness and the stillness and the silence and the mundane and the things that we don't think are important, God can establish us when nobody else sees us. And I think about a lot of the people behind the scenes at church, and they're not going to be behind the scenes in a second because I'm going to talk about them. Like our media team, our sound team, our security team, all of the, the volunteers that serve in the back with your kids. You're out here enjoying service, and they're back there teaching them. And a lot of times I feel like we get the heart back there while I'm just with the kids. I'm just changing diapers. I'm just picking people up in the parking lot. David was just in the fields. David was just by himself. So if you're by yourself, if you're alone, if it is quiet, you're in good company. Because then you've got an ear to hear the voice of your father, and you don't have somebody else trying to fix what you're supposed to be. It's okay to be established in obscurity. The third characteristic that I see is David was available. When his dad told him to tend the sheep, he didn't have a bigger, better deal. He went and tended the sheep, tended the flocks. When he was called to fight Goliath, he was available. He was made available because he was where he was supposed to be. He was delivering food, but because he was obedient in that, it made him available to kill a giant. It made him available to take down somebody that had taunted his entire army for 40 days. He was available to serve Saul. Some of us have a hard time connecting to serve, period, but then to serve somebody that eventually is going to try to kill you. Because if you read the story of David, David didn't stop serving Saul. He didn't stop honoring Saul. But they sent for David. Again, there was just a couple of of Saul's men that knew that David could play the harp. So when Saul stepped out and decided to disregard the power of God, God sent an evil spirit to torment Saul. And as that evil spirit tormented Saul, somebody needed to be available to bring him peace. David was prepared as he was established, and it made him available to serve the king. He was willing to take care of the will of God. And it says in Scripture that he's looking for somebody that was willing. David was available to do what God asked him to do. You're going to take half your army and you're going to go clean out this entire town. David said, okay, we're on it. You're going to go serve Saul. We're on it. You're not going to kill Saul when you have the chance. I'm on it. David was always available. David was God's yes man. If we're going to have the spirit of David on the inside of us, we need to be more of God's yes man and not God's maybe or no, I can't because I'm disqualified. So when we become God's yes man through availability... It allows us to do his will. And I'm, I'm running th- through these kind of quick. If it's too fast, uh, they'll all be up there in just a second. Um, the, the fourth trait that I see in a life or character of David is a reverence for God. 
And reverence is a big church word, and it's like, yeah, it means to respect. Well, I looked it up because it is a big church word, and I want to take it further than just being a big church word so that we can grab a hold of the heart of David. And it's a deep respect, an awe, or an honor. Synonyms, I haven't used that word since elementary school, so you should be proud that I didn't screw that up. (laughs) Synonyms of the word reverence are to glorify, to adore, and to worship. So everything that we just did this morning was in complete reverence for God. It was in deep respect. It was in deep honor. And through that, we got to pour our hearts out in worship. But I found this, and it says, Reverence implies profound respect mingled with love, devotion, and awe. We see that he had a reverence for God. David loved God, but we also see that God loved David. The word tells us that he searched out for this David. It wasn't David Jr., it wasn't David III, it was this David. He was looking, so there was a relationship that he loved him. He honored God. We see that David did what God would do. David did it in excellence. When David had the chance to kill Saul and he cuts off a piece of his robe, he was instantly convicted and repented because of the honor and the reverence that he had for God. Because God told him, do not touch my anointed. Saul was still the anointed king at the time. He had David backed into a cave with all of his men and David could have killed him. But because of the reverence that he had for God, the respect that he had for God, all he did was cut off a robe, a piece of his robe, and was instantly convicted. He had devotion to God. We see in the life of David that he was always pursuing what God had asked. He was always putting God first. When he went out to kill Goliath, he said, the same God that delivered the lions and the bears will deliver this enemy. He's relying on God. He has such a reverence for God that you can't separate the two. Reverence leads to repentance, and repentance leads to restoration. When we honor God enough to want to change something, it's going to become in our hearts that we need to repent. Repenting is turning 180 degrees from what you did and right back into pursuing him. So if we have a reverence for God, if we have a deep love and a deep honor for God and we do something wrong, just as we see in the life of David, it will switch and there will be instantly a need or a feeling to repent. Once we repent, as David did, once David repented, he's then restored. We can't be in rhythm with the Father's heartbeat if we're stepping out of that. So when we, when we sin, when we dishonor, when we step out of that and we don't repent, we're not ever going to be in perfect rhythm with the will of our Father. So when we want to step back into the will of our Father, the only way to do that is to repent. When we repent and step back into that, then it brings the restoration, the healing, the things broken off, the freedom, this morning, There's freedom that's probably burdened some of these people for 15, 20, 30, 40 years. All because of a willingness to have a reverence for God, to hold God in such a place that nothing's going to stop you. 
Sometimes you're going to be called out. You're going to be convicted for things. We're all going to be convicted of things that are hard to acknowledge, that are hard to admit to. But if we honor God enough, it's going to drive that repentance, and then we're going to get our restoration. And the fifth characteristic that I see in David is trust. The heart of David is to trust. The spirit of David is to trust. He had an undeniable trust in God. When he fought the bears and lions, I mean, I've been to the zoo, and both of those animals, even as cubs, are much bigger than I am. Which is a good thing, right? Like, that's not a fat joke, but it it could have been. Um, But they're both, both much bigger. But David was never afraid. David was never afraid of tending the flock and his father's herd by himself because he had an undeniable trust in God. When he fights Goliath, the entire army is terrified. But we see David walk out there in boldness and in courage. And we see David in a trust of God that was in a place that I want to be at. But he trusted God so much he was stable in that. He was stable in the trust that he had placed in his father. He didn't have the pre-fight jitters. He didn't walk out there nervous that he was going to lose. He didn't walk out there defeated. That Goliath's nine feet tall and David's like five, five. He didn't walk out there questioning the fate that was before him because he had trust in God. If you try to fight on your own, you're going to lose. You will get the pre-fight jitters. You will get the doubts. You will get the negativity. If you don't have a trust in God as you move into something, you're going to question every decision that you make. So the trust of God allows us to be stable. But when you spend sufficient time with God, it's amazing how stable you will be when your trust is in him. Our trust does not become developed if we're not spending time with him. The more time that you spend with him on your knees, the more stable that you will be on your feet when he's called you to fight. The more stable that you will be on your feet when he's called you to lead, when he's called you to stand up for something that nobody else is going to stand up for. Our stability comes from the trust that we see that we have in our father. And if it's an undeniable trust, then we can walk with that boldness and courage. Like I really want to see David's face as he's walking out to beat David and Goliath or beat Goliath. He was David. Um, Sometimes my mind goes too fast, but as he's going out to beat Goliath, there's confidence, there's boldness. It's not an arrogance, but there's, there's a boldness and a courage and he's walking by thousands of military trained people that are freaking out. I want that stability. I want that trust in him that I can walk head on into something and know that it's already taken care of. And so the, you know, scripture tells us that he was looking for a man after God's heart. If we go to 1 Samuel 16, verse 7, it says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearances or his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as the man sees For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. A lot of times 
we tend to look at somebody's outward appearance and disregard their heart. And when I say heart, it's those five characteristics. Lindsay, can you throw those up real quick? It's the five characteristics. It's the humility. God's looking for us to to walk in humility. God's looking to establish us when nobody's looking. He's looking for us to be available, to be his yes man, to do whatever he says to do, no matter how crazy it is. God's looking for us to have and hold him in a reverence and a deep honor at a place that nobody else should be close to. And God's looking for us to trust undeniably. We should not trust anything more than we trust God. And so when we look at someone's outward appearance, and I know that I've done this, a lot of times we prejudge based on what we see. We predetermine based on what we've heard. We've, we pre, well, I know what they went through and they've been in a lot of trouble, so they're not going to be a good fit for this. We do that to other people, but then I know we do that to ourselves. And so if we begin to look at the heart, it may take a little bit longer, but to see someone's character, to see if somebody walks in humility, to see if somebody's okay with being established because there's an established time. There's a time for people to be established and serve. There's a time for people to be established and get married. Do they have, are they willing to be available? Not for what we want them to do, but for what God wants them to do. Do they hold God in a place that's higher than anything else in their life? Or is it a close second with football or hockey or sports or school or our careers? And do we see that they have a trust in God? Do, do they put their faith in God? Do they put their hope in God? Do they put their trust in God and walk in like it's already finished? Because it is. So do they walk that way? It's going to take us a little bit longer to figure that out instead of just prejudging. It's going to take us a little bit longer to actually get to know somebody. And maybe they have four of the characteristics that they're great in. We don't disregard them because they're lacking one. There's a lot of times where I'm probably lacking all of these at the same time. There's for sure times on a countless basis that there's a multiple, multiple of these five that I'm lacking at once. And God's not disregarded me. So if we begin to look at the heart and we begin to look at the character, yes, there's a little bit longer of a process. But then it's established and we get to see who they are. I find it interesting because the story of David is way before Jesus is brought on the scene, right? Like we've, we've heard of that. But when God tells Samuel that David is a man after his own heart, I feel like there's somebody else that's after his heart. And that's his son, Jesus. That he sent Jesus to walk that never sinned, We don't know the physical stature of Jesus. We don't know how tall he was. I mean, there's a lot of pictures and a lot of people's imaginations. We don't know what color eyes he had. Again, there's opinions. Did he send Jesus because of the way he looked? No. He sent Jesus because of his heart to do the will of the Father. 
And I feel like David gives us an insight to what to expect out of the heart of Jesus. We see humility in the life of Jesus. When he went like this and he laid down every personal right that he had, every entitlement that he had, he was the son of God. You're entitled to a lot. Every privilege that he had, he came to earth and probably the most humility that you could show, he came from heaven to be a human on earth for us because that was the will of his father. Jesus was established. He grew up. He was established in the temple. Sometimes Jesus was alone. He was off in the desert fasting by himself for 40 days when he was in the garden of Gethsemane. He was by himself because his disciples couldn't stay awake. Jesus knew obscurity. Jesus had to ask his own disciples, who do they say I am? Who do you say I am? Because people didn't know who Jesus was. Oh, it's just Jesus. He can't be, he can't be the savior. He's from Bethlehem. And he wouldn't do anything unless the father would do it. Jesus didn't speak if it was out of turn with the father's heart. Jesus was established. That's not something this overnight. Jesus was established when nobody was looking. Jesus was available. David was God's yes man, but Jesus was God's ultimate yes man. Gave his life for us. He was available to die for every single one of us. He was available to get the tar beat out of him. A buddy of mine used to fight MMA, and I think it's the coolest picture, and he does too. He's got it hanging in his office. But he was after a fight, and he just got the wham kicked out of him. I mean, he's got gashes on his forehead, on his cheek. His eyes are swollen shut. And I think that's like the, the coolest picture in that. But then I think about knowing what he went through is nothing compared to the beating that Jesus took. He was available for that. Who's going to sign up to just get beat? I mean, if you sign up to get punched in the face, you're different kind of people anyway. That makes me mad. <laughs> But he was available to do what God asked him to do. Nothing was an inconvenience. The lady that touched his robe, they had a blood issue. Jesus was available for that. It wasn't an inconvenience because she touched him. It wasn't an inconvenience to go pray for the kids and resurrect the kids. It wasn't an inconvenience for people to be healed. Jesus was always available. I believe that we see a reverence for God in the life of Jesus. Nothing. He was willing to die to himself ultimately. Like you can't honor, it, you know, scripture tells us to have friends and to have brothers that you can put above that you would lay your life down for. I would for my family. I don't know that I would do it for a random stranger. But Jesus honored God and had God in such a place that, God, if this is your will, I honor you and I adore you and I respect you so much that I will completely die to self and I'll hang on a tree. 
And then we see trust. Jesus had trust in his father. With everything he trusted his father. When he was praying in the garden of Gethsemane, I see the, the most amount of trust that you can probably place on somebody. His disciples are asleep. He's up there praying so intensely that he's got blood coming out of his pores. And what does he continue to repeat? God, if you can take this cup, please take it. But if not, your will and not mine. God, if you can, if you can please, please do this another way. If you can please save the world another way, please do it. But if not, your will and not mine. Jesus had the ultimate trust in his father. Rhett, can I get you? Um, so today we're talking about the heart, the heart of David, that David was a man after God's own heart. And I want to invite you all this morning. We're going to take just a minute and I'm going to read something over you guys here in a minute to fully get a, a picture but I want to invite you to look at the heart. And as we're sitting in here, this is a time for you to be equipped. This is a time for you to be established. I don't want you to focus on other people right now. Yeah, it's good. We need to get to that place of looking at other people's hearts. But I would invite you this morning to look at your heart. Do you show these characteristics? Are you willing to show these characteristics? Because some of you may be brand new and this may be your first time in church. The normal pastors will be up in a couple weeks. I'm just a youth guy. But are you willing? Because you maybe have never heard this before. Are you at least willing to try to possess these characteristics? And as we look at our hearts, Sometimes it's hard because of the choices that we've made. Sometimes it's hard because of the decisions that we've made. Sometimes it's difficult because of the things that we've thought, the things that we've done. But it's okay. When we truly look at our heart and we give that to God, it allows us to be changed to possess the heart of our Father. It allows us to walk in the spirit of David and be a man or woman after God's own heart. And I know typically you don't ask people to give their life to Jesus until church is over. But if we're going to do an evaluation of our heart, I feel like now is the time. And I, I want it to be bold. I want it to be uncomfortable. I tell our kids I don't like comfort zones and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to destroy it. And I don't say that to be mean, but God cares more about your character. God cares more about these traits than he does your comfort zone. God cares more about your humility establishing you, you being available, you having a reverence and an honor for him and trusting him more than your comfort he'll ever care about. And so I'm going to ask with everybody's head up, and I know it's uncomfortable, and Pastor Greg will be out here after if you got a problem with that, or you can deal with 
Kevin or Wes or some of these bigger guys, and they'll take care of it. But I'm going to ask you if you've if because if I'm asking you to check your heart, you're like, man, I don't even know what this is like. I don't even know who Jesus is. It's going to be hard. But I would invite you today that if you've never done that, shoot your hand up in the air. Give your hand to Jesus. Because when you do that, then you can begin to look inward and say, God, I want to be a man or a woman after your heart. I want to walk in these characteristics. Is there anybody in here? If you've done it and stepped away from it, now's the perfect time. As you're reevaluating your heart, as you're reevaluating yourself, to consider that. To rededicate your heart, to rededicate your life to walk in those things. And I've had to several times. But I'm going to pray for you real quick, and then we got a few minutes, so you're good. Um, and then I'm going to read Psalm 139 over you. But Father, we just come to you in the name of Jesus, and I just thank you. Father, the the people that are making their heart yours for the very first time, that they don't even fully understand what that is, but Lord, they're, they're willing to put on these characteristics. They're willing to strive for these characteristics to be a man or woman after God's heart. And Lord, for the ones that have rededicated their hearts this morning, I just pray that you would love them in a way that they've never felt it and that you would see them in a way that you've never seen them. And Lord, that today would just give us a picture of what it means to be a man or woman after your heart. We just thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want you guys, as I read this, I want you guys to think and reflect on your heart, not your neighbors, not your spouses. If you and your spouse argued on the way to church, this ain't about them right now. I want you to look inward and see your heart. And it's Psalm 139. And it says, Lord, you know everything there is to know about me. You perceive every movement of my heart and soul, and you understand every thought before it even enters my mind. You are so intimately aware of me, Lord. You read my heart like an open book, and you know all the words I'm about to speak before I even start a sentence. You know every step I will take before my journey even begins. You've gone into my future to prepare the way, and in kindness you follow behind me to spare me from the harm of my past. With your hand of love upon my life, you impart a blessing to me. This is just too wonderful, deep, and incomprehensible. Your understanding of me brings me wonder and strength. Where could I go from your spirit? Where could I run and hide from your face? If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the realm of the dead, you're there too. If I fly with wings into the shining dawn, you're there. If I fly into the radiant sunset, you're there waiting. Wherever I go, your hand will guide me. Your strength will empower me. It's impossible to disappear from you or to ask the darkness to hide from me. For your presence is everywhere, bringing light into my night. There is no such thing as darkness with you. The night to you is as bright as the day. There's no difference between the two. You formed my innermost being, shaping my delicate inside and my intricate outside and wove them together in my mother's womb. I thank you, God, for making me so mysteriously complex. Everything you do is marvelously breathtaking. It simply amazes me to think about it, how thoroughly you know me. You even formed every bone in my body when you created me in the secret place carefully, skillfully shaping me from nothing to something. You saw who created me to be before I am became, before I became me. 
Before I'd even seen the light of day, the number of days you planned for me were already recorded in your book. Every single moment you were thinking of me, how precious and wonderful to consider that you cherish me constantly in your every thought. Oh God, your desires toward me are more than the grains of sand on every shore. When I awake each morning, you're still with me. Oh God, come and slay these bloodthirsty murderous men, for I cry out, depart from me, wicked ones. See how they blast me, your sacred name, and lift themselves up against you, but all in vain. Lord, I can't you see how I despise those who despise you? For I grieve when I see them rise up against you. I have nothing but complete hatred and disgust for them. Your enemies shall be my enemies. God, I invite your searching gaze into my heart. Examine me through and through. Find out everything that may be hidden within me. Put me to the test and sift through my anxious cares. See if there's any path of pain I'm walking on and lead me back to your glorious everlasting ways. The path that brings me back to you. This is David's heart cry. David wrote this. This is his heart cry for God to search his heart. God, I want you to know everything. But in these characteristics, search me, God. And this is his heart cry. And I felt like that was important as we begin to turn our hearts to him in pursuit of what he's going to do. What if we all cry out like David cried out in Psalm 139? We became so hungry to be a man or woman after God's heart. We said, God, search everything. From the tips of my toes, the tips of my fingertips, the top of my head, things that I thought I've healed from, things that I thought I'd moved on from, search everything. What would change if we all cried out the way that David did? be a church on fire because we would be in pursuit of God's heart. We would be a church on fire because we're in pursuit of God's heart. Can I have our leadership team come up? So today's going to end a little bit different. We've got our students sitting up here and it's an honor and I don't, I don't say this lightly and I don't take this lightly. If we've had your kid for a week, if we've had your kid for for years I, I take it as an honor and I know our team does to get to serve your kids your kids are incredible we've learned from them just as much as they've learned from us but what I like to do is I like to honor our seniors can I have you guys spread out and then there's names on the gift bags so if you'll hand them those as they call them up um, but each kid I'm gonna I'm gonna read their name where they graduated from and what their plans are um, but it's just a time, you know, my heart behind this is we do this in sports. We do it in FFA. We have senior day. And my heart burned for these kids because I want them to know more importantly than the world's behind them, that their church family is behind them. That when we send them, that they go into the world, that they're called into the world, that they're called to change wherever they step their feet. And what better way than to do it at church? So the first one, Kendrick Watts, graduated from Greeley West High School. He's going to take a break for a little bit and then go back to school for renewable energy. If you guys will, when you come up, you got to come up. You give your leadership team a hug. And then we're going to, you guys stand up here and we're going to pray over you. This is uncomfortable for most of them because they don't like being in front of people. But I just live to what I say. Uh, the second one, Logan Burke. 
Logan here. And some of them, like, we've had kids that have, like, schedules have changed, and then we had sports. But Logan graduated from Poudre High School. He's leaving September 11th for boot camp for the United States Marines. If they're not here, we'll just set them off to the side. So, Haley Norton, graduating from Eaton High School. She's going to attend Laramie County Community College to become an ultrasound tech. I know um, the next one, he's, he's not here because they rescheduled state track, but Wyatt Eichmann is graduating from Dayspring Christian Academy, and he's going to be attending Ames Community College to attend their aviation program. Ashlyn Crowder. Ashlyn's graduating from Eaton, and she's going to be hitting the ground running. She's had enough school, and she just wants to work, and I was in that same spot. And then Brogan Barr, graduating from Eaton High School, he's attending Garden City Community College to study sports medicine and physical therapy and play baseball. And I know that their playoff game got changed today as well. Will Hamilton, graduated from the School of Hard Knocks, and his parents were his teachers. He's going to go to Ames Community College for business or construction management. Last but not least, Tucker Jackson is graduating from the Goal Academy, and he's looking to go to a trade school. So if you guys will, we send off people that have served, and we send off people, um, you know, that have left, that God's called to different places. So if I can have you guys come front and center. And if you guys will stretch your hands with me, we're going to pray over our outgoing seniors and then I've got, I've asked a couple of them to pray over, um, I don't know if we have, you guys are both just going to pray over all the students because I don't know who's who. Um, but if you guys will stretch your hands, we're just going to pray over them and bless them as they go into what God's called them to do. Father, we just come to you in the name of Jesus and I just thank you for the hearts. Father, I thank you for the character on the inside of every single young man and young lady up here. I thank you for the time that we've gotten to spend with them. But Lord, I just pray that you would guide their footsteps, that where you send them, they are called. Lord, that they walk in humility, that they've been established. Father, that they are available to do what you ask them to. Father, that they continue to grow in a reverence for you. And Lord, that they would trust you above all else. I thank you for what these kids have brought to our lives. I thank you for the impact that they've made in their communities and their schools. I thank you for the boldness and the courage that they all walk with. And Lord, that this is just the next part of their journey that you've already mapped out, that you've already called them to. And now they're just stepping forth in boldness and kindness. Lord, that there's no mistakes, there's no missed appointments. Lord, that that whether it's jobs, whether it's sports fields, whether it's flying airplanes or whether it's military, Lord, that you have already positioned them as a people to change their environments. Lord, that they would have an impact on where they go, that cultures would change, that people would change. Father, that hearts would change because of these leaders in front of us. Lord, I thank you that they all have made the decision to walk with you and to walk for you. And we just count today, we count it as a blessing and a true honor to get to send them where you've called them next. And we just lift them up to you and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Can you... Grab that back.
and then I've asked a couple of, um, I've asked Haley and Ashlyn um, if they will both pray. So if all of the rest of our students will come up here, please. Um, and, and my heart behind this is it's generation to generation. It's year to year. So it's not, it stops with these seniors, but I want these seniors to then impart and essentially hand off the torch to these younger kids because we've got younger kids from all walks of life. They might be siblings, they might not. But my heart behind this is that that we get them off on the right foot. Some of these kids, this is their first time here in this, like our junior high group, and they're like, I ain't coming back. We'll see you next week. Um, but we've just asked, and, and I think it's important, you know, we've, we believe that we need to establish our kids, we need to empower or, or equip our kids, and then we need to empower them to go. Um, so if you guys, whoever wants to go first, go ahead. God, I thank you for these younger kids, and uh, I pray that they're only intentional with you to grow with you. And like Josh was talking about comfort zones, there's going to be so many new comfort zones that they're going to experience, and I hope that they step out of those just a little bit to grow. And um, I also pray that they follow you instead of the world and what um, their friends are doing. I pray that they know that um, following you and knowing you is better than following everybody else. Amen. Dear Lord, I do pray over the next generation of the high school ministry that everything in the... Everything that's in their future is in your plans, and that it is all set there for them to follow you, Lord, and just to stay on that path that you've created. And I pray over all of them, as some of them are younger siblings, and that we will definitely be there to keep them on track and make sure that they're ready for their futures as they grow up, and um, just to guide them as they go and to be strong in your faith because we know that there are challenges in life and that they're set there for a reason but just to follow you Lord and that you'll make it all right in the end and that it's all in your path Amen We just pray this all in Jesus name Alright, if you guys if you students will have a seat and we'll go ahead you guys are welcome to sit down Thank you. I'm proud of you all. I'm just going to pray quick, and then we're going to bring Wes up and get you guys out of here. But did anybody, like, did this did this help? I mean, does it help understand the heart of David? So, Father, we just come to you in the name of Jesus, and I just thank you for, for your love. I thank you for pouring your spirit out for us, for pouring yourself out for us. And Lord, the lives that were changed this morning forever, Lord, that eternities were changed. I just thank you for touching every one of us, Lord, and that it doesn't end now, Lord, that just because we're going to go to lunch or whatever our day holds, that it's just a continued process, Lord, that you can continue to develop these, these characteristics in each one of us, Lord, that as this series goes, that we fully grab a hold of what it's like to be a man or woman after God's heart, to carry the spirit of David. And Lord, that when somebody cries out, where are my Davids? That we can stand up in a boldness and a courage. That we can arise to protect the ones that can't. But Lord, that we do it all from the heart. 
And I just thank you for this time of reflection. I thank you for this time together. And Lord, I just again bless all of these kids and what they've got set before them. And we just thank you for everything that you do in Jesus' name. Amen.